When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Almost Famous Minute, where we're discussing the 2000 Cameron Crowe film, Almost Famous, one minute at a time. I'm Eric Nash from Feels Like Weezer. I'm from Troy, Michigan! <laughs> Niall McGowan! Uh, no, I'm actually, uh, yeah, I'm Niall McGowan from Bat Minute. I should have said from Bat Minute! Oh, oh <laughs> no. damn it, I messed up my own intro. Oh, damn it. Oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> Um, the, the 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 biggest thing right off the back, I, I think, is is this song mm. <laughs> in the huddle that they sing. <laughs> Do you know what are the lyrics to this song? Because I can get da 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 da. Sounds like lots of fun. Once you get on my back for a piggyback, I've never deciphered what the beginning. Yeah, is. Th- those earlier ones. Yeah, those are even tougher. Except I did find what, what I found besides get on my back for a piggyback ride, and, and your little bit there too. That, that's helpful. But I found these three words in Google searching a, a good bit: song and pong. <laughs> I don't know what the frick they mean. I mean, how they re- could relate to this. This song that they're singing, mm. um, but it's 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 just this. I mean, it's for, for the again for these guys from Detroit, you know, a, a northern city, um, in here in the U.S. Um, for the band to supposedly be made up of, be based on, you know, mostly um, southern country rock bands. Um, this it, this definitely lends to that. You know, this is this more. Um, down home, mm. <laughs> uh, uh, twang, a, a bit of twang to it, kind of, of, of a with some lyrics and 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 the the uh, kind of almost almost a yod- to a yodel. They almost bring it to a yodel. I think. Mm. <laughs> I was really curious though, because I know from perusing the IMDb trivia, mm. um, this is based on like this exact thing of like him been Hall- William been hauled in to the the group huddle. Mm-hmm. Uh, is based on apparently Eddie Vedder did this to Cameron okay. Crow mm-hmm. uh, at a Pearl Jam uh, gig at Lollapalooza back in like presuming like the early nineties or whatever. Yeah, yeah, before yeah, before uh, this movie. That's yeah. But like, I'm just wondering if it was like 
was this the chant he was doing, or was it like, oh, they had their own and, Pearl Jam? And again, that would be that would be kind of crazy to hear from this from this Seattle band. Yeah, <laughs> you know, which again, that's it's it's not the South. Mm. I just love to hear Eddie Vedder do it though. Get on my baby, we had a um, it was a, one of the the hot bands in our hometown. They had a thing where uh, like they, they they were one of the groups of like oh they're they're gonna make it like a they were flaunted for like a, a record deal and stuff way back mm-hmm. back back in the day. But the, the, I think I imagine the one thing that probably sank them was when you ever saw them live, the lead singer was so blatantly doing an Eddie Vedder impression oh, yeah. that was distracting. <laughs> like you're just like all you're doing is. <laughs> Like Eddie Vedder, and then he stopped that, and he started doing Ian Brown from the Stone Roses. <laughs> I was like, okay, I think you've, I think I sorted out your problem, guy. <laughs> it's like you need to find your own sound. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, although they're saying that though, like that band Greta Van Fleet, like they're big at the minute, okay. and they sound so much like early Zeppelin that that's also a point of distraction where you're like, <laughs> can you get away with this? Like, <laughs> like just like, oh yeah, I'm just doing what those guys did and sound identical to them. <laughs> But, uh, hey, I'm not them, and it's an original song. So, technically, I'm not doing anything illegal, but uh, <laughs> you have to wonder. Um, and so, you know, William is brought into the huddle here, and it's uh, Jeff Beebe saying, hey, get the enemy in, in here, oh. and, Rus- and Russell pulling him. Oh, I never spotted it was Jeff actually I'm, I'm saying quite, it. quite quite positive that's like this goes you you, you stroke that guy's ego <laughs> there you go i mean like, that was not the best friends and and yeah i mean I, I think russell does probably call him the enemy once or twice in the movie but it's, it's jeff that's the preponderance and i think mm. it, at this point it's I, I think it's just the sure bet that that jeff is is the one yeah. that's saying oh. that and russell the one that's kind of complying with it you know closest to him and, mm. and pulling him in I think it only really becomes pronounced like during the like. How do we know you're not a fucking cop? Oh, that's yeah. that's, that's the. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's one of the things too. Like, didn't notice that it was Jeff saying to get him in the huddle. But one thing that is very notable is that like you're getting a blast of Jason Lee's real singing voice, yeah. and you're like, oh, yeah. that's why <laughs> that's why they dubbed him on on stage. Yeah. Well, and that comes back just a little bit again uh, towards the end with the uh, the Rolling Stone <laughs> cover of the Rolling Stone song. I wonder though, because like, apparently Cameron Crowe thought that was passable, but again on the IMDb mm-hmm. trivia, they they mentioned that like apparently Patrick Fugit's singing was so bad during oh. the Tiny Dancer sequence mm-hmm. that he he drowned him out in the sound mix. He's like, oh no, no, I couldn't have him <laughs> audible at all. He was terrible. But like, oh, you think you'd want to do it with? Um, with Jason Lee saying he's he's the big rock singer, but it's like when you hear you hear that blast of Jason Lee vocal, it's like oh yeah, you're you're going to need a, a different guy to come in here to handle this. Yeah. Well, and I think I think there's a big matter of uh, so he's not being amplified, so so it's a little more I think uh, hideable. You know, okay, when he's amplified, he sounds like this. Mm. Well, it <laughs> could be as well. Actually, to be fair, because I've um, yeah. I've had to watch quite a few times. Uh, looking after the, the little one-year-old who lives downstairs for me. Um, we watched the movie Sing quite a bit. Oh, yeah. And there's a bit where, like, yeah, there's someone doing, like, a birthday party, and one of the people comes along, and they do a whole bit, like, happy birthday, like, really big, supposed to be very impressive vocals. 
Yeah. Um, as you can, you know, no doubt judge from my fantastic vocal performance uh, <laughs> just then. But uh, when you're watching it, you're like, nobody sings "Happy Birthday" in their like stage voice. Like you, I guess you, if you're a singer, you go on and then you engage, and you're like, this is my performed singing voice where I'm singing from the diaphragm and I'm really getting into it. Right. But if yeah, Jeff Beebe was singing "Happy Birthday," I doubt he's going to put in the effort. Maybe. So they could they could use that as an excuse. It's like that's not his on stage voice. That's his like kind of like just, he's borderline just yelling it kind of yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's what, what you're saying with "Happy Birthday" and singing in a, like a stage voice. That's that's uh, for our version of The Office. Mm. Uh, Steve Carell doing Michael Scott. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's that's a pretty popular uh, sound clip mm. of him singing. Really, <laughs> really uh, obnoxiously. Uh, Happy birthday in, in a very sing, uh, very pr- more pr- professional style of singing. Uh, I think I'm very much a proponent of like I infinitely prefer the U.S. office to the, the U.K. one. Okay, yeah, yeah, as well as I noticed though, like uh, Americans have a lot more um, tolerance for. I think it was a lot. I noticed a lot of American people really love English things. Because I guess maybe because over there to you guys, it's yeah. like, oh, this is all so kind of exotic almost. <laughs> but when you're over here and you're surrounded by this stuff, like, unless it's cream of the crop, I'm like, ah, oh, I don't care. Yeah. So, like, yeah, the, the UK office, I was never all that impressed by. But the US office, well, I was like, hmm. oh, this is just genuinely a very, very funny show. Because they're just like, yeah, all that um, kind of realistic humor where it's all just like, oh, remember how embarrassing this would be for you? We mm-hmm. did that for a bit, but now we're just going to do, like, really silly kind of almost cartoony things mm-hmm. and it's just like this is way better <laughs> because it's actually like it's actually actively funnier and stuff but anyway this isn't the office minute <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's not the off five yeah <laughs> hey friend of friend of the show a friend of mine from watch, the watchman days <laughs> nathan um but um so so then uh so they break up the huddle and they go up the stairs, and then we see on the floor on the stage in the this darkened area, but I guess somewhat lit up where where these are these these arrows on the floor. Um, so my comment, my big comment on that. So this is this is to avoid uh, the spinal tap problem, right? Yeah. <laughs> Getting them to the <laughs> to the right place at the right time and so forth. Yeah. Maybe that was the thing. Like, oh, they did it in the yeah. 70s. And then after a while, people were like, of course we know our way to the stage. <laughs> and then they got rid of them. And then they didn't, in the 80s, they had to bring them back. It's like, oh, those goddamn right. Spinal Tap assholes got themselves lost. <laughs> oh, and the, uh, the other thing is, though, too, a uh, little bit more of a... Uh, I have a more of a, 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 a problem, for sure, understanding who's saying what here. Mm. At, at first, for a little bit, I thought uh, it was uh, when they break the huddle, it was... San Diego, you ready, baby? <laughs> and then someone else, I think, I think someone else says would would respond, "Hell yeah!" Mm. But I think it's Jeff that's responding, "Hell yeah!" And so the person saying "You ready, baby?" is actually saying "You ready, BB?" Oh, so probably yeah. Russell. Yeah, yeah. Um, that makes it's, it's, there's eh, a fine yeah. distinction there. I mm. think between the two possibilities, <laughs> <laughs> and who's saying what though. It's, um, I have one question though about like maybe this is standard practice if you're a big rock band, but like yeah, because it's cutting to all the things getting set up, and then there's some guy sitting backstage yeah. with a guitar. Oh yeah, as if he's about the. So I'm guessing is he like an offstage rhythm guy or something or who? Why, I why is he? Doubt there? it. 
Well, well, what, so what, it, what, what I'm used to, what I'm, what I'm aware of is, is, uh, you know, for the, if you've ever noticed at a concert, the handoffs, the chain changes in different guitars that, oh. that the, that the players will have in between songs for, mm. for the next song coming up. So this is, this is a roadie, a guy that's, uh, guitar, a guitar tech that, uh, you know, is making sure it's in tune. Okay. So that makes sense. He, he probably has a pair of headphones there. We don't, see him i don't see anything like that but uh, the next guy we actually see the next guy operating the soundboard which i'm even more familiar with um because i've been doing that for uh the church i attend mm. um a lot for many years now yeah um but uh yeah i mean that's that's just what i i gather i you know i'm i think i'm aware that that kind of thing does happen uh for some for some bands or groups um where they, they would have offstage uh musicians also playing yeah <laughs> you know um uh so no like you have um yeah like green day so no they have like mm. the, the three main guys from green day and then there's another yeah. guy that you barely ever see but, but he's on stage but he's always in the back and stuff well, yeah like, I was like, oh, yeah thing. there's definitely yeah there's definitely those other performers that that very much are on stage at, but and are just are just for concerts are are uh you know uh, musicians that uh, just uh tour and go to con- you know play play concerts for bands mm. and and can be doing that for many many years too yeah um with, well, actually with in- sometimes a little changeover or, or a lot of changeover for yeah. some bands I'm sure well, they always get the the um the tying into the previous episodes, like in in the last waltz, you have Neil Young performing "Helpless," mm-hmm. but then Joni Mitchell is doing the backing vocals backstage. So it cuts to the oh, shot okay. of her kind of sitting like in behind some curtain somewhere, mm. as if they were like, "Oh, she wants to do the vocal, but she doesn't want to be out." But like, yeah. everyone be like, "It's Joni Mitchell." It's going to be like, "No, I'll do my song later." But like, I'll might as well help out my buddy Neil <laughs> while mm-hmm. he needs some backing vocals and stuff. Um, <laughs> but the. Although it would be something, though, this guy is like, oh, I am Stillwater. Like, I perform all the stuff. Those guys are just miming. That's why, have you heard that Jeff Beebe guy singing backstage? You can't sing a goddamn <laughs> note. It's all me. <laughs> Um, so the, uh, the, the, the song starts, it's, it's, uh, so this is Fever Dog. Yeah, yeah. The first Stillwater song we're hearing. Mm. Um, and it, it definitely, you know, it is definitely, you know, credited to Nancy Wilson. Yeah. Um, it, it is in the, on the soundtrack, uh, album. Um, I think it's, yeah, I think there's, I think there's just one other Stillwater song, or no? Wait, it's it's the only one. It's the only one, and it's definitely the kind of the one that, uh, as we already saw a couple weeks ago, um, you know, the one that uh, William kind of mm. mentions mentions to the band when they're mm. trying to get rid of him. Yeah, it's incendiary. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's that's just Russell's guitar on it too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know they had that other one as well. That like, ooh, father, father. But I'm not too sure what you call that like it's it's kind of just there later on but i don't think they've ever really yeah, paid much attention to it yeah we definitely have names for those i'll yeah i can't recall what they are right now but we'll we'll definitely get to those mm. i think i read somewhere too like peter frampton might have had a little hand like nancy wilson's accredited as like the, the songwriter but i think frampton right. might have had like a little oh yeah he was in there like and, and even and cameron as well yeah too. yeah 
is it's noted that uh you know he he was certainly involved with 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 the songs you know it's it's not it's not totally just up to Nancy and or mm. uh Peter Frampton yeah. um the the other the other people playing in the band at at least at various points i mean you just mentioned the one um uh the uh, other the, the band the band that he's the uh, uh, lead guitarist for is uh, Pearl Jam, Mike McCready. Oh, nice, nice. Um, he's he's so he's probably doing the Russell guitar work, I would bet. Mm. Um, ben Smith is another one. Um, he, that's, mm, not sure which who who he what 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 instrument he might be playing. Um, Gordon Kennedy. Um, he, so he. Apparently worked with um, Eric Clapton a bit, Peter Frampton. So, so probably brought brought on brought in from Peter Frampton, and you know, and and and, and so he's so he's definitely a guitarist. But just what else, you know, he could have been doing if if Mike McCready's <laughs> um, the lead guitar. So maybe he's more the rhythm, you know. Even though we don't have a band that necessarily has a rhythm guitar. You know, this is this is a band, um, you know, with a lead singer, Jeff Beebe, Billy Crudup is, you know, certainly noted as lead guitar, but uh, you know, I mean, that's that, that's certainly a, a Zeppelin thing, you know, where where Jimmy Page really kind of handled any kind of rhythm too mm. um, when needed, but really he's mainly a lead guitarist, and it's and it's such a you know that, that that's such a good band as far as the bass player uh, being able to do, um, you know kind of get his own uh thing going between uh rhythm and some melodies i think yeah. too. i have to wonder as well like I'm, I'm guessing they they recorded this they recorded the song first and then when they're shooting this they were just playing it through like to kind of imagine like that whole crowd was hearing jason lee doing his like, <laughs> and like oh my god <laughs> like it's like oh no 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 you gotta get the actual recording we're going to use in the movie and then blast <laughs> yeah. that and have him mime to it instead of getting them to sing it. And then uh, it's like Billy Crudup just, just playing like uh, Yankee Doodle or something on the guitar and just be like, hey, everybody looks great, right? Um, um, there's two others I'll mention now, but one the one last one I'll, I'll, I'll save for next week because it'll be the vocals that you're talking about. Mm. But I'd like to say it because we don't hear the vocals at all this, okay, yeah, this okay. minute. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you off. I'll tell you off, Mike. After, but um, <laughs> Peter Frampton. So he he's listed as as you know, the personnel for you know doing doing uh, some of the instruments and so forth, and then also a, another guy named John Bayless. Mm. So I have to imagine one of these guys. You know, I mean, may, maybe that John Bayless or Ben Smith. One of the two of them, I bet, must be the drummer. It's, it's and it's very likely that the 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 bassist, the bass guitarist, uh, Larry, that we know, Larry. Um, so he's Mark, Mark Kozilek. Mm. And so his, his main band, he has been, you know, uh, vocalist and, 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 uh, guitarist for, so, I mean, he's playing this bass guitarist. I mean, you know, there's certainly plenty of times when, uh, when, um, uh, guitarists certainly are, become proficient enough at just the guitar that they can switch over and play bass uh, yeah. pretty easily. You know, possibly with a pick, whereas most bass guitarists don't don't use a pick. Mm. But um, so so, and it's actually two different bands. The one I was I've been much more familiar with is Red House Painters. Okay. Um, if you're familiar with them, 
um, essentially throughout the 90s. Um, and, but then this other one that's a little more folky, apparently, is called Sun Kill Moon. Hmm. And, it's, and it's K-I-L with one L. Okay. Um, so yeah. I, 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 I definitely uh, uh, point out uh, Red House Painters for a connection with a... Um, let's see if I'm going to get this right. Yes. Uh, how the the one song it's a cover for for the Red House Painters that I absolutely adore. And so it's the original artist is something is from earlier in the movie Simon and Garfunkel. Their song "I Am a Rock." Oh, okay. Um, that Red House Painters did, did a wonderful job, and and Mark Kozlek, um on the vocals for it is is wonderful. Mm. It's, it's one of it's you know I'm 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 pretty into trying to listen to covers and, and enjoy it and enjoy them hopefully but and sometimes I, I get rubbed the wrong way on some but that is one that is just amazing oh. I would suggest it yeah nice like post it in the uh, on the the, the band oh, aids yeah. page <laughs> I'll definitely be yeah. pointing that out further although we have this uh, one thing I was curious about. Um, is that like we, we skipped over the fact that it's uh, when they're introduced on stage, it's Dick who does it, and you see him right, later on. Yeah. He he seems to be like that's part of his job as manager is to introduce the band. I mm-hmm. never thought that was part of a manager's thing. Well, and I, was... I think as as we find out a little bit later in the movie too is is that he's actually more of a road manager. Yeah, even though he's considered their manager. What a lot of the stuff he does really is just road managing, and, mm. and so that's that's I think that is kind of considered one of their one of their jobs that they'll yeah. often do. I mean, they, they you know I think I think if I think if he wasn't a road manager, or if he was a road manager that didn't really care for his the sound of his own voice, and mm. <laughs> but I, th- I think he kind of has this you yeah. know I just assume, deep though, down deep down desire of being being a rock star. I was so, always kind of assumed it would have been like um, that would have been. Uh, Maybe the people with the venue because they would know their yeah, own right. systems and stuff. I th- like, I think, oh, I we think have they, a guy who does that. Or, or something. Yeah, I think they, they they would offer that, but I don't think that's necessarily a, a thing that. Uh, I just remember thinking up in the air. I think it's pretty up in the air. I just remember thinking it was quite strange seeing uh, you know the English comedian Bill Bailey one time seeing one of his live shows, and then you know he does like a you know they do the encore and stuff. And then he's just literally backstage, and you hear him going, "Ladies and gentlemen, Bill Bailey." Yeah. And then he walks mm-hmm. back out, and it's like, "That was you who said that." <laughs> like, yeah. Don't you have a I, guy I, I, to I introduce you? Go there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll also say too, like, uh, just a shout out to Noah Taylor, just like, oh one, yeah, one of the most prolific friggin' actors, like mm-hmm. in everything. That guy, you just can't forget. No matter what country, like, it's like, oh, watch an Australian film, Noah Taylor's in it. Watch an English movie, Noah Taylor's in it. Watch an American movie, Noah, Noah Taylor. He just shows up and everywhere. And also know as well, uh, he's part of the elite group. Uh, well, I don't know if you would call them elite group, but he's part of this the select few actors who have played Hitler multiple times. Mm-hmm. So I know he did. Um, he's on Preacher now. Right, playing Hitler, but he played him in I think just after this, like he's in that movie yeah. Max, way back like early two thousands with the uh, John Cusack. So oh. I just I wonder if people are approaching you to play Hitler twice. So you just like I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. Quite <laughs> yeah, frankly, right. I'd rather I'd rather not, you know. <laughs> but no, a couple of people like I know that Admiral Ozel from Empire Strikes Back. He did him a couple mm-hmm. of times, mm-hmm. and then Udo Kerr and stuff. I guess it's just like. It's 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 work. <laughs> I guess if you think I was good at that, then uh, I guess I'm happy enough playing this uh, this genocidal maniac <laughs> a couple of more times. Um, and, th- and there there is the uh, the one uh, further 
uh, Cameron Crowe connection that he has with uh, uh, his next movie, uh, Vanilla Sky. Mm. So he, he's he's the uh, the the behind the behind the <laughs> curtain mm. guy that uh, <laughs> that uh, is guiding him. I have to say though, because this this movie is nearly well, it's nearly twenty years yeah. old now. So, yep. is this really like the last great Cameron Crowe movie? Because <laughs> like twenty years, but all I'm it's, thinking of is like possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I, now I did watch recent, you know, somewhat before uh, the starting the show proper. Um, I did watch uh, Elizabeth Town. It's mm. a pretty good movie. It, it was interesting, but yeah, it's certainly not. I think that's something wouldn't rank as high as I. Maybe it, it might be a testament to this movie, though, yeah. and the fact that, like... Because I remember I was all geared up to see Elizabethtown when it came out, and that was, I think it was my first year at university, and I was at a, I was suggested going with my girlfriend at the time, mm-hmm. and she was like, I'm not going to see that. It looks terrible. <laughs> but I was like, it's the guy I made Almost Famous. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. So I've, I've still I've still never seen it. Um, but I know that it, it birthed the article that created the Manic Pixie Dream Girl like trope like the oh. so the, the writer of that article is like i'm cursing dunst's character in that movie that's what i'm talking about mm-hmm. but the thing is that's so close it's like that could have been penny lane if it was at the if this movie yeah. wasn't as good you could have been like she's a manic pixie dream girl but you don't get that vibe from her so he's like no penny lane's got something else going on um but you know maybe in the cameron crow off the boil you could have, you could have had that. They could have been that trope could have been birthed from this. It's only like five years off, really. So, uh, dodge a bullet with that one, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and then like I've said uh, recently, also uh, on other episodes, uh, you know, a, a few of his more recent movies, I just have not gotten around to see. I think I might have watched like the pilot episode of Roadies. Mm. as well i think that was that, again uh, another that died one. its death yeah as a series you know i think i was all like oh yeah i'm gonna that's that's gonna be great and then it was like no <laughs> reviews piled in they're like don't don't bother and then um i think it was the same too with uh aloha all i yeah. know about aloha is people like it landed and people were like what why is uh, yeah why is emma stone playing a hawaiian person <laughs> when she's very blatantly not hawaiian and then people are like, beyond that, the film's terrible. But that's also like a what the hell kind of thing in it. But, um, so yeah, yeah, like we're still sitting around waiting for the the, the grand Cameron Crowe. Like you know, we want a yeah. Kate Hudson, mm-hmm. Kate Hudson Renaissance well, or whatever you call it, the Cameron Crowe Renaissance. When, when's that coming? And and the one before this, I mean, I think that can stand. I mean, that, that that's. I think that's the more notice, most noticeable of his, most mainstream of his, Jerry mm. Maguire. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. I yeah. mean, you know, I mean, between those, Jerry Maguire and this, I think that's 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 a pretty great feat. Mm. Um, I think even um, compared yeah, to like, unfortunately, it shows you the how well this movie walks the line, though, because Jerry Maguire, one of my instant things is like, oh yeah, that annoying kid. Like the cutesy, annoying kid in Jerry Maguire. But then it's like, you could have done that with this as well. You could have had cutesy moments with William or something as well. He could have been... Like, even the stuff at the beginning when, like, he's doing the 11 and all that stuff. That could have been like, uh, it's a bit too much. But they just... They just managed to walk that line so, so very carefully. Um, that's what I think, like, the the movie to me is literally kind of perfect except one scene near the end which i don't care for because i think it's a bit too cheesy where um 
perusa bulks talking about like oh these girls don't wear protection and they eat all the steak oh. i hate that line and then she goes into the really? little thing about like you know, the love music so much it hurts and it just seems like this is a bit uh-huh. cheesy for me it just doesn't hmm. i don't know what it is i'm some some other, other people that's probably like their favorite scene <laughs> But there's yeah. some some of the battle to me is like nah, it just doesn't, and it needs to be there to get Russell, or he needs to be for the finale and stuff. I say finale is like just the last scene, but it's not really like <laughs> yeah. a grand finale to the movie. Um, but it's just like yeah, it's the one scene is like ah, I could have used it a bit more. I don't know, it could have been written a bit better, or just something about it could have been dialed back, or it just rubs me the wrong way for for whatever reason. Um. So I. Th- think i think i've covered all my notes how about you yeah i think that's uh, me yeah yeah pretty much done going out on the concert scene starting the the first few seconds of the song of this song and we'll get to that more next week um so the big thing i think I, we need to finish up uh with is your history with the movie oh. you've kind of already told us a bit a good awful lot about you know, <laughs> how high it ranks for you yeah yeah oh this was just, like i kind of alluded to it earlier but like i think i was at the, at the prime position for this to be like a, a movie i really love and again i know my um my co-host in the in batman john he's seen he's seen it when he's in his mid-20s and he's like it was okay i don't really get the appeal yeah. um whereas i was like i was 16 when this came out uh, I was raised in a household that was very into 60s and 70s rock music because my dad was in a rock band in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my brother, again, too, he was into like, heavy metal and stuff in the 90s. So that was always a thing, like vinyl records of like rock bands just lying around the place. Uh, and then when I was about 16, I started going out and hanging out with the... Um, just you know the, the friends you end up making when you're, in, when you're a teenager. Like and the people kind of... Uh, become your your drinking buddy throughout the the next couple of years and stuff, mm-hmm. and a lot of them were musicians. They spent a lot of time going to rock gigs where they would play covers of seventies rock songs. So then to uh, to watch this movie as a because I'm I'm not um, particularly talented music wise myself. Like I I can play you the chords of guitar, but I can't. I'm not you know musically inclined. Mm-hmm. Um, so then someone like a character like William Miller who's just kind of like yeah he's an outlier just kind of sitting observing from the sidelines and mm-hmm. uh, really like just resonated with me like the, these scenes here of like going and meeting all these people who got their cool band things going on for the first time felt like I've kind of been here I get this again mm-hmm. very much like Dazed and Confused when the Wiley Wiggins character he's kind of meeting all these cool people who've got their own thing going and getting invited into that group that feeling you know, kind of it's the same kind of thing to me, and I saw that movie when I was sixteen as well. Um, so both of them hold a very, uh, you know, kind of, you know, treasured place in the in. But beyond that, though, it's like not even so much nostalgia. It's like it's just a well-made movie. Like you just watch it. It's like yeah, everything about it. it's like you have characters because they're doing extravagant, decadent things, and they're very self-involved could come across as horrible assholes. But mm-hmm. even the ones who are horrible assholes, like Jeff Beebe, he's so kind of funny and he's well-played. So you kind of like him in spite of it as well. The fact that he's going around wearing a Jeff Beebe t-shirt and stuff later on, it's just like, oh, Jeff, what an asshole. Like, you just kind of have to laugh it off. Um, and it's, again, it's a great soundtrack, just a great performance from everybody. Um, yeah, it's really have a, a great, great deal of time for this movie, so... 
Uh, I've, I've watched it several times again over the years, always having that little bit of dread of like, it's um, I'm, 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 I'm a bitter, jaded, old, crusty 30-year-old now. I'm not going to like this anymore. And then watching it, I've been like, that was still really good. That's, it's good to see that it holds up. And it sounded like you, you, you've watched the Untitled oh, yeah. version, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've got the I've got the, the, the DVD of that. Um, knocking about so bad. I don't know where a lot of my DVDs are now. <laughs> because I've had to move house. And then it's like, they don't take as much pride of place as they used to. Which I'm sure William Miller would be disgusted by as a collector of vinyl himself. But, um, yeah, yeah, just, uh, just, yeah a, a, a deep affection for this film. And uh, can't really, yeah. beyond that one scene, I said, I was like, that's the only bit that was like, nah, it doesn't do it for me. <laughs> Everything else was just like, yeah, this is really, it just really clicked. Like, it's just a, a, a perfect, I saw it at the perfect time to really sweep me. Oh, my feet has been like this was the greatest thing ever, and then for the years later to be like, no, it's just still, it's just, it's, it's so, it's so well done and well constructed, and just solid a movie. Like you know, it could have gone wrong, but it didn't. They really yeah. just, they just, they just made it work. Well, that that's that's one of the things for the extended cut that um, I think it what might have been Spielberg that said to Crow, you know, shoot all of this, make every word in this script. You know, get it all. Yeah. <laughs> Do it all. <laughs> you know, and, and if you hadn't, you, we wouldn't have that untitled cut. Yeah, yeah. The untitled cut is, it is great yeah. too, but it's like, it's, yeah. um, yeah, it's, you can't really, uh, can't really, that's one of these things I can't really fault any of this. Like, I even doing, um, in, like, talking about, uh, you know, Tim Burton Batman movies as part of my own mm-hmm. podcast. We're constantly finding flaws to talk about in them, even though I love oh, yeah. those movies. But if I know if I was to do this whole movie, I don't know if I'd have but many bad things to say about it. Really, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that we spend our whole time dissing on Batman, but it's just more you're sitting there going like, "What the hell is up with this?" Anyway, but oh, that's great. Anyway, so um, uh, the, the the and the minutes that the, that I had for <laughs> Batman Returns spring to mind. For the, oh, yeah, the, the, uh, that's crazy level continuity that's just the like blackened eyes yeah it's just tim burton going like hey we're, we're, we're i'm breaking i'm going home in 10 minutes I, <laughs> this scene's gonna be done or it's not gonna be done i'm walking out of here <laughs> but um and i get of course then we're getting into like um i don't know if i'll have many you know problems to find with the next two movies i mean batman mm-hmm. forever and batman and robin are uh <laughs> historically rock solid films with uh, little to no flaws in them <laughs> so but uh, but yeah yeah absolutely uh, love this movie uh, and thanks for having me on Eric like, I was yeah, yeah, very yeah. happy to come on and thank talk you about for it. coming that's been wonderful to have you on um, so uh, this was uh, week um, nine um, any last minute plugs just real quick again Bat Minute right yeah yeah just, just Google it yeah just go on Bat Minutes and yeah we'll just be on uh, you know iTunes, any podcatcher, yeah. Spotify, as I believe. And then, yeah, we're on uh, all the social medias, as, as far as I'm aware. Apparently, we even have a Tumblr, which I've never been on. <laughs> oh, wow. It's one of these things. John does a lot of this. He sets up the social media sites. Mm-hmm. So he's told me, like, we have a Discord and stuff. I'm like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> like, I've never been on it. But I'm sure it's great over there. <laughs> but I am very active. We do have on Facebook the Batman Listener's Cave, which is the, you know, the, the private group that you just send a request. We'll add you. We don't have any... The standards aren't too high of the people we let in there. Um, and we, I'm a lot more active over there, just chit chatting about um, anything 
tangentially related to Batman mm-hmm. and Tim Burton and Michael Keaton. Even just like friggin', hey, that one guy who played like that goon in the Joker's gang. Here's a thing he did. Like you could just come on and talk about that if you want. So, um, well, everyone's all are welcome over there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we uh, for this show we have uh, the uh, Band Aids Listener Society. And, uh, of course, you can find it at uh, facebook.com slash almostfamousminute. And our Twitter handle, at almostfamousmin. <laughs> One of those. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll be back uh, next week, uh, week 10, on Monday with Minute 28. And thanks again, Niall. It's been great having you. Oh, anytime. Anytime, yeah. Eric. So, until then, it's all happening. It's all happening. I am a golden god! Yeah! It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.